Telecast, the TV industry news review. How do you get started in brand-funded programming as a producer? How does the process work at Channel 4? Does it start with the sales or the commissioning teams? And how do you deal with the politics and additional layers of complexity once you have brands and multiple agencies involved in production? On this week's show, I'm chatting with Sam Glynn, SVP of Branded Entertainment at Fremantle, Channel 4's controller of funded content, Simon Wells, and Claire Thompson at K7 Media as we return to the brand-funded programming world. It's all coming up on this week's Telecast. So way back in March, in episode 49, we did a feature on brand-funded programming, and I was really surprised to see that that show has become our most popular show so far. So what do you do when you have a hit? Well, taking a leaf out of the content industry playbook, I thought we'd produce a sequel. And we have a key cast member back from the first show. Claire Thompson of K7 Media is back. And we're again using K7's latest report on brand-funded content as a basis for our discussion. And I'm also delighted to welcome two of the industry's leading protagonists in branded content onto the show to talk about the sector in a little bit more detail than we did last time. So welcome to Telecast, Sam Glynn, SVP of Branded Entertainment at Fremantle and Control of Funded Content at Channel 4, Simon Wells. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Justin. Thank you. Great to have you all join us to talk about this really interesting and burgeoning sector Now, first of all, Claire, can you take us through the basics of your latest report, which you can also download on the Telecast website, and we'll uh, we'll have the link to that in the episode description. But um, take us through the basics of the latest report and what your findings were. As you know, we did a a big report right at the beginning of the year, um, a kind of overview of of brand-funded content um, and the sort of state of the market at the moment. And then we decided that kind of in between uh, updating that, we'd do some shorter kind of standalone looks at specific categories or themes um, in this area. Uh, And and this one, it was actually suggested by our colleague, Hannah Barnes, who's um, based in Australia. Uh, And she thought that the area of finance and spending, so whether it be around banks or small businesses, um, was really uh, a kind of interesting one to look at in in brand-funded content. A few reasons. I think what sort of sparked it is this sort of feeling that young audiences in particular are seeing finance, whether it be kind of, you know, investment advice on Bitcoin on TikTok or whether it be entrepreneurship as a a kind of really fascinating area at the moment. And it was sort of how are these sort of heritage brands um, getting into that market? Also, it was just very interesting to look at in the ways in which brands in that area are trying to make the content that's sort of sexy but also informative you know it's one of the key key challenges for all tv but but branded content in particular and, and particularly for those sorts of brands that have reputations to uphold but are trying to attract those younger audiences so there were lots of different examples from around the world that we looked at so australia russia italy UK, Singapore, Finland, um, and all slightly different in each case. Some were pure um, sort of BFP and others were were more in the kind of sponsorship area. But it, it was just a particularly interesting category, we thought. Do you think there's more opportunity in financial services 
funded content than other sectors at the moment, Claire? Is that something that you found? Or was it something more regionally that was more prevalent in Asia, for example? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. I mean, I think the big categories are still the big categories in brand funded content that they've always been. So the, the easier ones, food, travel, home and lifestyle. And I think there are lots of constraints and challenges that come with this financial sector obviously lots of regulatory issues um which you know Simon will probably be able to talk about a bit more as well which means that it's not easy to do um but i think what is interesting is the shift from those sorts of brands trying to sort of if you like borrow a bit of kind of sexiness by just attaching themselves as sponsors say of music programs or chart shows or talent shows to actually trying to develop content that is relevant to you know to their actual brand and the services that they're offering i think that is changing slightly and as you say i mean it is different in different territories what's what's possible to be done and it's also difficult because some of the content that they're developing will be seen in more than one territory whereas financial regulation can be quite specific to the to the territory in which you're operating so there are lots of challenges but i think as with all sorts of uh, categories, there's also this kind of driving need to show your brand purpose. And I think that's equally as important for banks and lots of these um, kind of sponsors of, of business shows as well. We'll come back to talk about purpose in a, in a little while. What is clear is that financial services are pretty boring, right? Sam, how, how do you make them sexy then? How do you create brand-funded content that is going to really engage consumers while making something that's going to sit really well on a channel like Channel 4? How do I make a bank sexy? Wow, that's the question of the day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's lots of ways to, I'm saying there's lots of ways, there's probably a few ways to do it. One is to associate it with existing IP that has a bit of glamour and panache around it. So, for example, um, in Italy, X Factor is on Sky. It's a very upmarket, glamorous show. And it's it had Intesa San Paolo as a sponsor and brand partner for four years. And then it had the insurance company AXA as a partner. They seem like unlikely bedfellows, but uh, it worked really well because X Factor was able to reach a very young affluent audience and the banks wanted to talk to those very same people. So we activated the partnership by sending contestants into the branches to sing. Um, We also, in Tessa San Paolo, had these amazingly beautiful Italian-style headquarters in Milan, and we used that as one of our sets uh, for the judges' reveals. And you never guess it, but they actually uh, produced an X-Factor credit card for Tessa San Paolo, which was a huge hit. Right. So <laughs> this was a major part of Intesa's marketing campaign and they reached this younger demographic and they turned their image around because suddenly they're about music, they're about spectacle, they're about mass entertainment, they were about changing lives. And I think that's a really important thing thinking about branded content. What is the purpose of the show? So something like X Factor is about transformation. It's about being a nobody and becoming a somebody. Uh, and having that opportunity. I think banks offer that same sense of empowerment and um, individual reaching one's individual potential. So actually, the marriage is not as peculiar as it seems. 
So no. one way associate with, with glamorous IP. Um, the second thing would be to create like like Simon has done at Channel Four and, and Paul Tremaine at MediaCon has been amazing in doing creating purpose driven, entertaining, engaging stories which have the bank's brand values or the financial institution's um, values and purpose at the heart. It doesn't mean it has to be dry because it's all to do with the characters that are involved in the show, the hosts, the stories that are told. And these can be moving, witty, and, and basically gal- galvanize audiences to think differently about, um, about banking institutions. However, my very, very favorite of all my bank branded content um, projects ever, and I don't know if you've seen it, is um, it's called Beyond Money. And it was funded by Santander. And it's a Spanish short film. I think it's about 17 minutes long. And it's a kind of Pedro Almodovar type sci-fi Black Mirror-esque short film about a woman who exchanges her experiences for money. So she'll go into this sci-fi type environment, plug a headset on, and she will sell her first kiss or she'll sell um, her wedding day, and in return, she'll be given cash. And of course, she's left completely bereft and emotionally messed up. And the moral of the tale is actually, you should be um, thinking about experiences instead of just saving your money and getting rewards. One of Santander's uh, programs was to give loyal customers experiences for banking with them. So that tied in beautifully. They did a fantastic activation. They had a red carpet premiere. There were posters in every single bank. They they had the glamour of uh, famous Spanish actors and directors. So suddenly it was a bank meeting showbiz in the most authentic way possible. And um, I urge you to look up this film. It, it's, it's a really good entertaining watch, despite the fact it's, it's funded by a brand. Right. Well, that sounds fantastic. We'll put a, a link in the episode description. Obviously, that needs a, a really far-sighted and ambitious and bold marketing director behind a brand to really get behind this. And as you say, it sounds like there's lots of point-of-sale activation right throughout. So they're they're really getting behind it. Simon, you have recently done two projects around financial services for Channel 4. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, sure. So so the first one I think you're referencing is the Lloyd's Save Well, Spend Better series. Lloyd's had a campaign which was the, the, the M word, we need to talk about money, which was a great ad campaign. So I've Traditional 30-second ads, people talking about money, uh, couples, uh, children with their parents, because the British, in fact, most people, I think, around the world, money is one of those sort of taboo subjects for a lot of people. They don't talk about how much they earn or what they, whether they're in debt or whatever. And Lloyd's created this traditional ad campaign, basically, with that insight which was we need to talk about money and, you know, being open about money is going to make, you know, less stress. Mediacom came to us and said, you know, we'd like to bring this to life. I mean, the campaign is the campaign. There are TV ads and, you know, it's very traditional. What could we do? And, and we were developing, in fact, in commissioning, one of the commissioning teams was developing an idea around exactly that subject matter, funnily enough, coincidentally, about couples talking about their money issues 
and addressing them directly and kind of owning up to them in front of the camera and then being advised on how to resolve those. That was a perfect example of a happenstance where, you know, by being connected with our commissioning teams in our side of the business here in Channel 4 Sales, we could kind of take a brief from an agency and see how that aligned with an idea that we were developing and effectively turn what was an advertising insight ad campaign idea and develop and extend that into a television program. And we made four episodes of that show. It was a really, really excellent show, actually. Worked incredibly well for the brand and for Channel 4. But as with all of these, in fact, funnily enough, we were in the depths of conversations about Series 2, and then COVID struck. So we were sort of at the turn of last year, we were beginning conversations about Series 2 for the summer of 2020, and then COVID struck. And that kind of conversation then, well, their strategy, as is often the way working with branded content, one party or the other, the broadcaster or the, or, or, or the, or the platform uh, where you're working in a partnership, as we do with brands, takes a different direction. And, and, and uh, Lloyd's then obviously kind of reconsidered all their marketing comms and uh, we'd need to talk about money wasn't the, the subject matter. The subject matter then became how do we manage in a pandemic? How do we, you know, how do we kind of reconfigure our finances and our businesses, which then takes us to another brief from Mediacom, funnily enough, which was the brief for Dell, a company providing computers for businesses, for small businesses particularly, so young and small entrepreneurs. And they said, what would you do in the business and small business space? You know, business programs have been a, quite a few on TV. We, we know the dragon's dens of this world and shows like that. And we, at that time, were then looking coincidentally and being go, joined up with commissioning. In, uh, we, we, we raised this kind of opportunity discussion with Dell with commissioning. And they said, well, we've got a great show we're looking at called The Profit, which is an NBC format from the States. And we're looking at a UK version of it. And we again, luckily, we went, well, there's a fantastic opportunity here. Dell are looking to engage, to inspire young, small uh, SMEs and help them through the difficulties of the pandemic and what, you know, what they should be doing and how they should re you know, re reconfigure their businesses. And that led to us working with Dell and Mediacom again, coincidentally, on the profit, which was the became a show called The Money Maker, with Eric Collins, who is this incredible talent. Um, well, he's a he's a business uh, uh, investor from the states, and he fronted the show, and we reconfigured it ever so slightly from the American format to the UK format, and it ran in April of this year, and it was uh, again another four ep series, and uh, did incredibly well. I mean, audience wise, slightly disappointing, but new shows always are but on the um kind of basis of dell's objectives it performed incredibly well generated a lot of content a lot of additional content for them and a lot of engagement from their smes uh because it was really well activated by the client and mediacom simon i love what you guys have been doing in the past year and a half it's been so trailblazing and i, I use channel 4 as an example to all our countries around the world so look what these guys are up to what simon's team are doing Thank you. It has been a tough old road, but in the last four years, three years, particularly with you know um, the new um, director of programs and our kind of people like Emma Hardy here, who's uh, sort of 
managing, uh, looks after all commissioning teams. The, um, the commissioning teams have really stepped up into this place to really understand that actually uh, working with brands isn't such a bad thing. You know, the old school ways were, oh, my God, it's, you know, toxic. We can't. It's, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's dirty. It's dirty commercial money. I've always worked in the principle that, you know, in advertising and w- advertisers want to make great stuff. And we can collaborate and we can partner and we can make great stuff, which isn't overly commercial, particularly in the entertainment space. So telling stories and uh, giving uh, viewers emotional experiences is what brands have always been good at. Good advertising does that. You know, it engages on an emotional level. Uh, and this is what good programs do as well. So it's just about aligning those two, two, two sides. Simon, mean, have you found that you've said the commissioners have turned around their, their concept of branded content? How have you find production companies? Have they changed their views of it? Most of them have. I think if you're a producer, you want to make stuff. You want to be creative. We want to, to produce. I'm a bit of a history nut, and I always look back and go, well, what, what happened in the past? How can we look at that now and think, does that, is it the same or is it different? Now, obviously, tech, technology's changed, platforms have changed, but fundamentally, people's enjoyment of storytelling or in being entertained or being amused hasn't changed. And if you think about the great ads of the 80s, and 90s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the talent that made those, like Ridley Scott and Alan Parker and Jonathan Glazer, all these great directors who uh, who came from the world of advertising, were making pieces of craft that entertained people in the commercial breaks. Producers now have the same opportunity. The, the money is coming from somewhere else, but you know the objectives are the same: in, emotionally engage with an audience, take tell them a story, make them feel something take them on highs and lows entertain and make the brand the you know the the purveyor of that content and make the connection between the two clever but not overt make it subtle and and relevant but don't cram it down people's throats and i think that's not changed i think it's just we're in a new world now with great technology with long form content everywhere uh, and brands have a place to play in that bravo for Channel 4, Simon, where does the journey start in branded content? Because this is something that I'm always fascinated about. I mean, you mentioned media agencies. You've got some of the biggest media agencies in the world coming to you with a couple of the ideas that you talked about a little while ago. But you've also got producers, leading producers like Sam, who come to you with ideas. First of all, what sort of percentage of ideas come from a media agency? Literally with, you know, we've got something for... You know, we need to get our water brand to emotionally engage with its target audience. Do they come to you with a with a brief as open as that, and you and you say, "Okay, we're going to come back to you with with a concept," or is it more often that Sam, for example, will come to you with a worked up idea with a brand already attached? The, and, and now it's a case of, yeah, we like the idea. Now let's talk about slots. How does this work? Because there are many different people involved, and this can come from very different directions, and it could cause issues, I guess, on the on the negative side. Mm. Some of those could cause more issues than others. So where does the journey start for Channel 4 in branded content? It starts in all of those places and each one is different you know like like creati- any creativity kind of can come from anywhere i always say a great idea can come from anywhere it just has to be spotted nurtured 
developed and executed brilliantly. But for us, we get approached by clients and agencies coming to us and saying, we've seen what you've been doing on AFP. We really like to do something. We've got a brief, exactly as you said, for a water bottle. We want to make make it stand for something in viewers' and consumers' minds. And we think the best way to do that is to to create content and and create entertainment and then activate the hell out of it. So if that happens, we will take that brief internally into Channel 4. And in our new processes, which have been running for about three or, three or so years, as I say, we would then share it across uh, all the commissioning departments and scheduling in a re- weekly routine and go you know, to all those representatives from commissioning and from scheduling. Is there something that would, you, you know, an idea that you've been looked at, looking at, you've had pitched to you in the last six months or so that, that might answer this particular brief? And if there is, brilliant, you know, and that's happened on the two examples that I talked to you earlier. That's how those came about. But also producers are talking to, to agencies and brands directly as well now, and they can be developing ideas for brands. All I'd say as a channel, uh, working at a channel is don't develop it too much if you've got Channel 4 in mind, because, you know, if you come to us and say, this is what, you know, Water Bottle, Water Brand X wants to do, it's possible, it, you know, and they, and they get too emotionally wedded to it, the brand does, then it's going to be a hard sell for us to change it, because we've got, we basically, in, in this world, we've got to find ideas that work for for everybody, for the platform, for the audience, and the platform knows its audience, and for the brand. So, but they, you know, companies like Sam's and people like Sam are doing a brilliant job of developing, having those conversations with clients and agencies early on, developing top line ideas and then pitching them into, you know, and uh, broadcasters, SVODs, uh, broadcasters around the world. You know, I mean, this is, this is becoming a bigger business by the month, I think. And, you know, more broadcasters are getting on board. ITV are getting more engaged. Channel 5 have always been engaged. Um, the SVODs are quietly doing this sort of stuff. As long as it's good, good entertainment, that's the most important thing. And that the brand then can then be a part of that, a relevant part of that. That is it. That, you know, I, I think we're an audience first business in, the, in branded entertainment. You have to think of what does the audience enjoy and then work out the brand. Whereas in advertising, it's a brand first idea and then who cares what the audience really think we just don't tell them something you know absolutely and i also think well i was going to say simon i think in all the discussion about um channel four's kind of public service remit the the fact that you are um you know you're essentially offering a, a service to a lot of these producers in terms of the kind of air traffic control uh, you know, uh, management of, of of some of this side of it the engaging with brands and helping to get their their content funded which is sort of beneficial to all the sides of the party but comes at quite a a cost and resource to channel four you know obviously that it's helping the programs get paid for but it's 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 a model that's also serving the independent production community at the same time as they learn to sort of negotiate these new models indeed yeah my big and again this comes from an ad man who i admired massively and it was his philosophy about creative advertising business um is that uh, as it was a chap called david abbott 
who had an ad agency called Abbott Mead Vickers and the older audience members listening to this will know of Abbott Mead. But David Abbott had a saying about creative advertising, I mean, creative ad spots, which is look after the, the work and the business will look after itself. You know, that applies to this. If we concentrate on making great branded entertainment shows, then other clients see it and go, that's what I want. What you did for Lloyd's, I want that. I want the same thing for my brand. So we, after we did Lloyd's, we had quite a number of blanks going, we want something like that. Can we have it? You know, we went, go, well, 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 we're Channel 4. We've already got Lloyd's. We can't work for everyone. But, you know, do it. The more we do it, the more we will do in this territory. Absolutely. So we've got to concentrate on the quality of good, good quality uh, entertainment, branded entertainment. Here, here. Sam. From the perspective of a producer, obviously you're heading up branded content at Fremantle. Give us an idea. How many branded projects do you work on a year, for example? And and also, has that increased during COVID? So my, my remit is branded entertainment across the world. So that will include sponsorship, product integrations, brand storytelling within existing IP. So it might be a sponsorship of Americans Got Talent, or it might be an integrated storyline in one of our soap operas around the world. So it, it, it's all encompassing. So we do two or 300 of those deals a year across our 30 territories. Mm. So that's, you know, that's quite meaningful. Yeah. However, Brand-funded programming, which our class is an original piece of content that's been funded by a brand, um, trickles through much more slowly. And those projects are still few and far between. I think there's many challenges. And one of them is the amount of stakeholders involved. So we have the broadcaster. We have the commissioning team there. We have the commercial team. We have the brand. We have the agency. We have the production company. And getting all those stars to align and getting the timing to work with the brand's marketing campaign, getting the budget to work with the broadcaster and the brand, getting the brand to be happy with compliance and, and how much visual and verbal mentions they can actually have in the show. It, it's, it's a long and complicated process. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful to the broadcast teams like at Channel 4 who, who really help us through that and help help give the brand a return on investment when, the, when they build the multi-platform um, extensions around the show. But it's, it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting. And Simon's right, producers are a lot more open to doing brand-funded content because they see that it's a way to get shows off the ground that might not make it uh, to air otherwise. But they have to be resourced enough within the production companies to, to manage that process because it's hard work and there's lots and lots of people involved and it's, um, you know, you're going to reach a number of dead ends. Yeah. So, Sam, I'm, uh, let's say I'm a producer. I've just left a network to set up my own production company, but I've never really been involved in brand-funded content. And presumably, if you're setting up a brand-new production company, brand-funded content has got to be a, a, a key part of your mix, surely, going forward from a strategic perspective. So where do I start? How do I start getting involved with brands? Is it just a case of picking up the phone or sending an email to GlaxoSmithKline and trying to find out who the brand manager is? I think you make as many friends as possible across the advertising industry. You never know where that money is going to come from. Uh, it might come from the media agency. It might come from the creative agency. Increasingly, it's coming from the PR agency. It might come from the brand itself. The, the worst thing that can happen is so often I get producers come to me and they say, we've created this show. It's perfect for brand X. It's got all their brand values. 
And I go, that's great. You're absolutely right. But unless Brand X has decided that for 2021, they're going to spend some money on content, they're not going to care. So it has to be getting all the stars to align and making sure that, you know, the people you're talking to actually have budget. So the way I like to work is, well, two ways. One is you can have an existing idea or a format that's kind of half-baked. A brand will come to you and as Fremantle, we had a huge database of creative ideas from around the world. And they'll say, we want to be about purpose. We want to be about the environment. We want to be fun. And I can literally type those words into our database and come up with some pre-existing paper formats or existing shows. And then we can work with the brand and, and tweak it so it really comes to life for that brand. Another way to do it, um, as Simon mentioned, is to start from scratch. And the brand will come to us with a brief and say, I want to tell a story on television, with content, often talent will be key to this. And they'll say, we know you work with Kevin McLeod or you work with Simon Cowell. We want that person as part of our story. And then we'll shape a piece of content around their brand values, their marketing needs. So it's very, very precisely what they want. Once we start working on this, we'll have a very soft conversation with Channel 4, perhaps with the commissioners, with the scheduling team. This is an idea we're looking at. What do you reckon? get some feedback. And then by the time we, we get a little bit further down the line, we know that Channel 4 are wanting that show because if the broadcaster are not wanted to commission that show, there's no point in anyone going to all that effort. When we get to a certain point when the initial idea has been signed off, then I'll say to the brand, you now need to invest a little bit in development. It's about putting some skin in the game and knowing you really are emotionally and financially committed to this project. We'll work up an idea together and then it'll go to the commissioner. And at that point, we, we, we send a big red flag to our brands and agencies to say, it's no longer in your control. This is now a TV production. We're, we're serving our audiences. We're giving them what they want. The final sign-off will be by the broadcaster commissioner. So we're all going to have to trust each other now and get on with the job. And I think if you've done the right prep work and you've got to a place where there is an element of trust and understanding and absolute clarity and transparency about the roles and responsibilities of all the stakeholders in the process, then it will go as smoothly as possible uh, with, with caveats. That's really interesting because, you know, for example, an over-enthusiastic brand manager with a freshly minted MBA will feel quite uncomfortable at that point, right? I mean, they are, uh, as you say, you know, the fact of, you know, it's no longer within their control. Advertising, you know what you're getting, and that's it, and then it goes on screen. As you say, when it becomes a TV production, it becomes this sort of nebulous thing that they can't, they can no longer fully control. I mean... But that's the beauty of it. It becomes entertainment. It's not an ad anymore. Yeah. It's something that people are going to seek out independently to watch and enjoy. There's the magic. I completely agree with all of that. I mean, uh, Sam's absolutely nailed the whole process from beginning to end. Completely agree. with. Yeah, and um, what you say is true, uh, Justin. You get a client who's used to managing every single frame of their piece of branded content which is very different to branded entertainment or brand funded programming and they can go tut there i don't like that i don't like the voiceover and i've done a lot of these in the past as production as a producer and they and you do you kind of go along with that but when you're when they're doing a program um with us it's very difficult for some of them because they let have to let go and you go no no you don't, you know, let us, we are the experts. We make hundreds of hours of programming every every month. 
we know and the producer knows what they're doing so you have to let go and let us and it can become very tense and very difficult but there's the, there's the value of, of a really good agency who mm. can manage that process who understand branded entertainment and they they know how to manage their clients but what's also interesting is, you know, obviously in different brand categories, it's even more pronounced. So, I mean, lots of people that we talked to, you know, did identify that in the kind of banking and finance area, not only is everyone incredibly kind of paranoid about the, the reputation of their brand, but they're also their kind of processes and models for doing things are very different to the way things are done in television. They might be much slower. They might be, you know, much more documented at every stage. And so, you know, there's lots of kind of conflicts to be resolved there in, in terms of the different ways that people work. In my mind, I just had the idea of one of those very long American boulevards in LA where there's so many traffic lights and you're inching along from one end to the other, whereas, you know, in normal commissioning and normal production, you know, the commissioner likes it or not, and then it gets made. Yeah, but the journey is half of the joy, mm-hmm. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, well, actually, let's talk about the politics of it. Now, I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm guessing there are more politics involved in brand-funded programming than a normal TV show due to advertising agencies, media agencies, PR agencies, channel heads, commissioners, schedulers, producers. There's a lot of people with skin in the game here and presumably a lot of creative people, a lot of very commercially minded people. Is it the agency who's the key to driving this through and keeping the train on the track, Sam, would you say? Not always, but agencies are really valuable and they bring different skill set. What I love about working with agencies is their insight into audiences, their insight into their the brand and purposes, and their, their strategic understanding of cultural movements, which we as TV producers don't have. We just go, oh, that one was really good for career. We'll have one of those. But they, they have all this data and insight, which I find fascinating when shaping a program for an audience. So I'm delighted to work with them. I think it makes the whole process more interesting and profound in its own way. Coming back to you, Simon, earlier on, you mentioned commissioners in the process, which which sort of surprised me somewhat because I, I didn't think a, a regular Channel 4 commissioner was responsible and uh, involved in a brand-funded programming piece of content. Is Am I wrong? Is it just a case of once a program comes alive and it's a project, is it then allocated to a commissioner? How, how does that work? Oh, gosh, yes. Our commissioners are now very much, you know, they're, they're, they they commission a normal, uh, the traditionally commissioned Channel 4 program alongside an AFP or branded funded program. They get it uh, completely. They they Some of them are extremely adept and good at it and managing the, the creative process. I used to make TV commercials when I first started in this industry. And the commercials director, you know, so there were some incredible talents um, in commercials directors in the late 80s and 90s. A, a good commissioning editor is a bit like a, a really good TV commercials director. They're great at sort of helping interpret the client's uh, wants and needs and turning them into something entertaining and fun and away from the sort of like the rather dull predictable this this you know this is the product <laughs> um they're really good at kind of just 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 pivoting it and making it a creative idea and we've got a number now who are really relish working on on brand funded 
programs uh, at Channel 4, but they're always brought into the process right at the beginning. They work with my team and see a commission through from beginning to end. And so, for example, if one of Sam's development uh, teams comes into Channel 4, pitches his commissioning editor and says, well, there's got brand funding, the commissioner will go, brilliant, excellent, right. I'm looking forward to working on that, you know, and we'll work with us then, we'll be dialed in because we have to help navigate the Channel 4 processes, Ofcom, legal. Funnily enough, in many ways, the legal and Ofcom sort of, so contracting rights and compliance are the more tricky things oh, yes. nowadays. Yes, you know, we have to see our way through, all, navigate all of those. Um, but commissioning, no. I mean, the, I see future commissioners being able to can turn their hands to brand-funded programming, traditional commissions, to all kinds of different models. It is effectively just a co-pro, but we are giving the brand a different set of rights and input to a co-production partner. It's effectively a co-pro. Does Channel 4's nations and regions and diversity quotas, do they still apply to branded content? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, they are commissions as just like any others, and we report them to Ofcom as part of our sort of, you know, uh, commitments to nations and regions. So, yes, Lloyd's Save Well, Spend Better was produced in Scotland, Glasgow, by Firecracker. Uh, a number of our shows, have, you know, shoot, food shows being shoot, produced in Bristol, Leeds. So, yes, they absolutely all qualify as uh, Channel 4 commissions. Channel 4's digital strategy has obviously been, you know, a really big change for the network over the uh, over the past couple of years. Has that changed the nature of brand-funded programming? I mean, are you doing much short-form brand-funded programming as well as long-form? Yes. So um, we were doing short form content on all four. Uh, when I first started, that was the start of our strategy of doing short, what we call four, four shorts, if you remember mm. that in about 2015, 2014. But recently, um, we've had a chap called Matt Ford join from uh, Lad Bible, who set up our commercial social channel. So for Studio is our basically our social offering. So we're basically now turning on our social we've got we've got three four social channels which are on youtube instagram and facebook uh and increase and and now on tiktok and we are commercializing those and creating branded entertainment on those platforms and that's part of our growth strategy because they, they we can you know we can effectively monetize those channels but produce great content um social content on those channels and that's short form generally it is um, i mean what i deal with is long form what i'd call full length branded entertainment so half hours one hours the social team have been going for about 12 months now that is a very busy part of our business and a lot of producers are producing content for us on those platforms as well one last question about producers I'm a brand director at, a, at the Water Brand I mentioned earlier on, and I come to you yeah. and said, you know, I want to appeal to our audience. And you come up with the idea, the one that you've you've had in the in the desk, and it looks looks fantastic, works really well for them. How do you choose the producer for that? Obviously, you've got to fit in with the quotas as well that you, you mentioned. But is it a case of the commissioner? says, right, I know exactly the right producer for this because of something that they've done in the past? Or do you have producers pitching for projects? How, how does that work? 
the brief comes in, we look at it, we discuss it in a commissioning uh, and scheduling routine every week. Uh, it's discussed. If somebody says, oh, I've got something and it's from X production company, I've been looking at it or I saw it three, two months ago and we quite liked it, but we weren't, you know, we weren't at the time, we didn't have the budgets for it, but that could be the perfect answer. So there is already a producer with an idea and that's happened on those two examples. I, I quoted you on Dell and um, uh, the, uh, the moneymaker and, and um, uh, Lloyd's. Those were sort of had been had come in with production companies who had pitched them to us for traditional commissions. But if there is nothing in the locker, uh, so to speak, we would assign it to a commissioning editor in a particular genre. So we'd think, well, this is we'd discuss it and say this is actually. Factual, it's going to be a specialist factual. Let's give it to one of the specialist factual commissioners, somebody like Jonah Weston. He would then take it on and would go work with one of the team here in the GCMs, one of my team, to develop that brief and then decide, would leave it to him to decide which was the best group of producers to um, ask to pitch for it. And um, so we do that regularly as well. So we will write, you know, the commissioner will select the production companies and then ask them, to give them the brief and they will pitch back. And I mean, you know, we've done many shows that way and very effectively. It's a, one of the processes we go through is, is, is the briefing and pitch. But as I say, the third way is when Sam comes to us and said, we've been working with um, uh, the Story Lab and we've got this idea that they their client loves and would like to develop it with you some more and further. So we will then take it into commissioning and the commissioner will then work with Sam's team to refine that idea so that it is ready for us to pitch to Ian Katz and get um, a green light for. Claire, uh, when it comes to the report, you focus on brands demonstrating their purpose uh, in this new report. Can you expand on that a little bit, you know, in terms of what that really means and how it's manifesting itself? Yeah, I mean, what we found it it is the sort of um, the, the the kind of commitment that brands are, are very keen to to be seen to be making at the moment to some kind of broader purpose, but it takes different forms. So there are obviously, in the example of, of the report that we've just done, there are, for example, banking brands who are wanting to demonstrate their purpose to individuals, the purpose of their products. So with, with the example of Lloyds Bank that, that Simon's already talked about, um, Save Well, Spend Better, it's helping people not only with their um, banking and their finances, but also their mental health. Um, then there are the examples where companies are showing their commitment to sort of wider organizations. So for example, small businesses, as in the moneymaker um, example. But then I guess the kind of biggest area is where brands are now trying to demonstrate their kind of wider purpose to society in general. And, you know, it, it's just it can take so many different forms, whether it's about diversity or sustainability. There was an interesting example that we talk about in the report, a bank, a DBS Bank in Singapore started doing a series of shorts. They kind of created this series called Sparks, which was it was kind of essentially a, a soap um, following employees in the bank, but they were all tasked with um, helping social enterprises. So you got a kind of bit of behind the scenes of the people working um, for DBS, but you also got individual little 
storylines and these these pieces of content were you know five to ten minutes long about particular social enterprises or, or kind of causes that they were supporting so there was for example getting kind of lighting for a cricket ground in India and so it was quite an interesting way of of personalizing the sort of mission of the bank but also telling these little individual stories of of, of different things that were um, organizations that were helping society in some way so you know that's that is what a lot of brands are now looking for it's you know how do we demonstrate to people that we're about more than just our basic service that we that we stand for something are you seeing that sam i mean in in terms of the projects that you're delivering are you seeing brands changing their behavior and want to wanting to communicate their purpose more clearly or differently or actually coming to you in order to communicate their purpose Very much the latter. I think content is a really good way to tell the story of a purpose. It's very difficult to do it in a 30-second spot or in a print ad, but when you can really bring that purpose to life and give it meaning, you know, a documentary or a factual entertainment show does that beautifully. Do you think the pandemic has changed that? We have seen a number of different brands just change their communication strategy, I think as a way of pivoting or just just essentially changing their focus. Have you been inundated with a whole load of new projects since uh, since COVID hit? I'd say not inundated with new projects, but I'd say that every project we do get in as a brief does have a purpose around it. Um, I think, as I say, they value the the role of content. But you're seeing things like, uh, was it Corona who did the Being Human series, which is fantastic. It's a Spanish and Brazilian language uh, set of short films. But it was all about people expressing their freedom, going back to the environment, leaving the city, becoming a diver or an eco-warrior. Uh, but had the beer brand behind it. So you're getting unexpected brands who are finding that way of expressing sustainability or diversity, and they're using content to do that. And I think that's a really exciting um, partnership between brands and and content makers. To wrap up our brand-funded programming special, uh, instead of stories of the week and get in the bin, uh, this week I wanted to ask you all, which is your favourite piece of branded programming or brand funded programming first of all those that are not produced or aired by yourselves simon what's the favorite piece of program that you've seen that's been produced and aired elsewhere i'm going to talk about two itv shows actually because the first one is one that hasn't aired yet but i'm so excited about because it shows that itv are now getting in on the on the act on this because I think Channel 4 has been doing a lot of this and, you know, a lot of clients were coming to us and going, oh, you know, I want to do something. I go, no, go and talk to ITV, go and talk to Channel 5. We, <laughs> we need others to be doing this because this is a thing, you know, and if we just do it all, it's not. So ITV have come, are, are now doing a M&S show called Cooking with the Stars. I've just been seeing the lineup for some of the talent for that. Some great talent. I mean, some really big names. So you're thinking, gosh, this is, you know, this is a big thing. I think it's being made by South Shore, isn't it? Um, mm. And I'm really impressed by that because yeah. it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a big show. And the other, uh, other ITV show, I'd, I'd, I'd say, was, was uh, what Sam did with Supermarket Sweep, actually. Thank you, Sam. Again, two, you know, just a game show because I think game shows do have more of an opportunity with brands. We haven't done any at Channel 4. You know, we've done a lot of factual, specialist factual and some entertainment shows, but not game shows yet. 
Well, it's interesting in the States because Pe- Pepsi um, recently did the, the game show. Uh, I can't think of its name. Claire, you'll know. Yeah, Cherry, Cherry's Wild. That's right. Uh, and that, that's, that was a brand funny game show. We, we've got the catalogue for Family Feud, Price is Right, Let's Make a Deal, Card Sharks. And we work with brands as partners, but I would love a brand to come along and, you know, really supersize like Tesco did with Supermarket Sweep because they're such a fantastic vehicle for audiences and they're so popular and they're long running, they're cost effective, they're they're great. And I thought just tying in the kind of purpose thing with um, the game shows thing, the the, the fact that um, College Bowl, which is a bit like University Challenge, is coming back to NBC um, with uh, Capital One, the bank behind it. But they're giving away scholarships, funded scholarships for, for the winners yeah, as idea. part of that. Yeah. So, again, it's kind of, you know, it's a fun, sexy game show with, with a brand behind it, but with a little bit of purpose in there as well. Simon, how about the piece of content that you've produced during your time in Channel Four, because you're going to be you're going to be moving on, aren't you? As well, that's that's a, a bit of a, an exclusive that we have. You're going to be moving on from your role fairly soon. I am, yes. I'm Aww. going to be leaving in a, in, a, in a month or so's time. I want to get closer, really much closer to the production and creative development process with clients on this. I really enjoy that, and uh, it's been great at Channel Four. But I'm a bit removed from it. And I want to get really close in on particular projects. The, the, the thing I enjoy, most enjoy, uh, I'm most proud of at Channel 4 is probably, uh, I mean, lots of them. They are, you know, pretty much everything we've done, we've been really proud of uh, in different ways because each one is, you know, a, a labor of love at times. Of course. But I think All Star Driving School was a turning point. It was about three and a half years ago. We did that. We got a brief uh, from the agency, uh, the Seven Stars, a really great agency, actually, a small independent agency. Suzuki was their client. Suzuki had been working with ITV on the Ant Deck ideas and went, we really get what content, you know, what brand entertainment is because we were working on Ant Deck. You know, we don't want to meddle. We want you, Channel 4 to go and come up with an idea for us that would um, that would work as a great entertainment show. We want to appeal to a younger audience that we've appealing, been appealing to. So we issued a brief. Uh, the commissioning editor here, Johnny Rothery and Dominic Bird at the time, five indies, and an idea came back that just sort of like went, wow, it takes all the boxes. We know it'll work. They'll love it. Uh, and that was All-Star Driving School. Now, the great thing about All-Star Driving School is not only did we do two series of it, and then Suzuki has now become a really loyal client to Channel 4 because we kind of innovate and we're prepared to push boundaries. But that series is now running in, I think that format is running in about six different territories around the world. Mm. I love that. Um, with different car manufacturers funding mm. it in different markets. And, you know, there's a Mexican version, there's a Polish version, there's a, you know, Claire will probably know more than me, but I, uh, it's, it's running a lot of markets. So it's a great, and it was a turning point for us. And that is the real holy grail. Yeah, ones that can travel. Yeah, agreed. Scalable. What about you, sir? What about your favorite piece of brand-funded programming that you haven't produced and then one that you have? So being very topical, um, we weren't on the Krasat last week, dunking rosé and behaving atrociously, but we did get to watch the winners for Can Lions Entertainment Awards. And there were two Grand Prix winners this year, and I'd seen one of them before and have loved it the moment I saw it. It's called Swipe Night, and it's from Tinder. And it's basically choose your own adventure for Tinder subscribers. So I think it was a Sunday evening, and you could log on, and you were given a, a drama where you could choose your own outcomes for every scene and create your own story. 
And that actually aligned you to potential dates because they too had made the same choices or they too liked the choices you'd made. So they'd use storytelling and entertainment to make an app into an entertainment platform, which I think is the way forward for all of these tech apps. And they'd also brought people together during lockdown to share a story and find common ground in a way when you couldn't go out on a date, you you had a new way to communicate. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And all you had to do was swipe to go onto the next scene, which was completely intuitive to the way that people use Tinder. Yeah, very good. Very clever. And how about the the piece of programming that you've produced yourself that you're most proud of? There's lots that I'm proud of, but I'm going to choose something that isn't a piece of programming, controversially. NFTs. We recently um, produced a series of NFTs, uh, non-fungible tokens for American gods. And they they were pieces of content in their own right. We created um, collectible cards of the main characters from the show. And we, we, we published them as NFTs via Curio and got a very excited fan base who were buying these products and trading them. Um, and, you know, it's not about the financial gain in this case. It's about building the fan audience and the community and watching this interactivity of a piece of IP spinning off into a completely different universe. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, the whole NFT world is, is obviously very nascent. and I'm fascinated to see how it will develop and how you know, the, the intrinsic um, symbiosis between brands and content via nfts is fascinating yeah so watch this space maybe we could actually you know sell this episode as a <laughs> nft you know maybe that could, maybe that could work <laughs> well well there we go we'll see we'll see if it's a it's as uh, as popular as our uh, our last show on the uh, on the topic how about you claire what's your favorite uh, piece of brand funded programming that you've seen in your travels oh well i i actually i was gonna come up with a whole list of why this one was clever and that one was you know but actually if i'm perfectly honest the thing that i enjoyed most during lockdown was the um erdinger jürgen klopp documentary partly because we're a household of liverpool fans but just for the moment when they're asking who is the man who's going to come and save the club uh, and lead it to a new dawn and Jürgen just walks in and says hello and uh, it was just a, <laughs> it was just a, it was just a lovely well-made perfectly timed um, piece of content that you know could have been brand funded or not brand funded and um, was great so yeah I'll stick with that on. We'll put links to as many of those as we can find on the episode description. Simon, best of luck with your next row. So that is essentially you're going to be a consultant. Is that is that right, your, your next row? Well, <laughs> quite possibly, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, quite possibly, yes. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm really keen to get back into the kind of the, the development and creation of these because I love working with advertisers um, closely and making great, great content with advertisers and it just so happens that my heart really lies in the entertainment content uh so yeah yep looking forward to that okay well wish you all the very best for the future and congratulations on what you've done at uh, at channel four any any sign of uh of of your uh your replacement yet do we know any <laughs> names in the uh, in the hat I, I i know nothing i know nothing at right all. okay i had to try that simon you you have to forgive me for trying that they're going to be very busy 
<laughs> All the best. Sam, thank you again for coming on. It's been fantastic to have your expertise and, and knowledge. And we could talk about all your brands. We could spend a lot of time speaking about even just one of them, I'm sure. But uh, but it's been brilliant to have you on Telecast. And Claire, thank you again. Your report, Brand-Funded Programming in Spending and Financing, is available to download on the Telecast website, which is at telecast-podcast.com dot com in the download section so thanks to all three of you for coming on the show it's been really enjoyable chatting to you thank you good luck simon we'll miss you so it's much been a real pleasure actually thank you very thanks, much Justin. really enjoyed it well that's about it for another week's telecast as always thanks a lot for listening don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show and share it with friends and colleagues and don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter telecast plus It's packed with interesting TV industry stories of the week you may have missed, downloadable reports and surveys, and exclusive insight and opinion. It's all completely free. Just visit our website to sign up at telecast-podcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Telecast was edited by Ian Chambers and recorded in London. Until next week, as always, stay safe.